Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. So, for those of you who haven't been around for a while, we've just started. uh, This is our second week, um, starting into Psalms. And Psalms, uh, like I said last week, the most important book. Why? Because it's in the middle and... And it's the biggest, right? I had, um, uh, we're staying with the Wilsons uh, at the moment until our house gets fixed. And actually, hopefully next weekend we can move back in, which would be really nice. Anyway, um, not because we're not having a good time with the Wilsons, we actually are. <laughs> but Andrew came up to me and he, and he goes, I was just opening up my Bible and he goes, oh, look, Psalms. <laughs> and it's true. Most of the times when you open your Bible, you end up at Psalms. Now, last week we, we touched on Psalm 1 and Psalm 1 is the basis, the introduction to this book, 150 Psalms, which is actually just a small collection of how many were actually written. Um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found a commentary. Uh, this would have been written 2,000 years ago, and in this commentary, one of the, the Jewish rabbis was writing that David had written over 3,000 Psalms. David alone had over 3,000 Psalms. That's a big hymn book, isn't it? Okay, people, let's turn to hymn number 2,763. How long would it take to get there? (laughs) So that was David alone. So Psalms was a a, a very important aspect of Jewish life, of their relationship with God. And in Psalm 1, we hear immediately of how we are to be in that relationship with God. Psalm 1 talks about us and how we need to be as we walk the walk, right? Well, today we're going to hit on Psalm 8, and that actually talks about who God is in relation to us. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that called Psalm 8 the astronomer's psalm, which talks about the universe and the expanse of all that God has created. Now, I'm being very non-typically Baptist this morning. I'm not going to give you three points. And I'm going to go verse by verse. So we're going to open up our Bibles now. If you've got your Bibles with you, I know I put the verses up, but it's always good to go searching through your Bibles. Go to, ver- uh, to Psalm number 8, and we're going to start off from verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. David starts off. And he says, Lord, our Lord. What I just need to say is, it's so disappointing, our English language. Because in the Hebrew, it says, Yahweh, our Adonai. Two different words. In our English, it's just one word. The first word, Lord, Yahweh. He is calling God by God's name. A little bit of intimacy there, you think? Directness in his approach to God? He's not just saying what we will say, God or Lord, how we bandied these and throw these words out. He's going straight. I am calling my God by his name, the name he's told me to call him, Yahweh. I am calling him by that. When you pray, Don't be afraid to call out God by his name. Don't be afraid 
to be personal about it. Because then he covers it up with the next Lord, Adonai, which means my master. Or in this case, our master. Lord, Yahweh, my master. How majestic is your name. You have set your glory in the heavens. This is somebody who spent a lot of time looking up, right? You guys are so blessed in this country. Let, let me just say this, okay? I've just spent three weeks in Australia and I can't see a star. <laughs> it's a plane usually that's flow, flying over by, which I don't mind, but you, you can't see the stars. In Sydney, it's so bright now that the expanse of the sky is just dark. Up, up at the Wilson's home, I park the car, it's dark, or on the hill there, I look up and there's all the glory. My goodness, I'm back in Christchurch. Praise the Lord. And the problem with life sometimes is we're, we're looking and we don't look. Because once we stop to look up, you can't help but think, my goodness, my goodness. And here's David kicking off this psalm. Yahweh, my Adonai. Look at your beauty. Check you out. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And I've always wondered, why the praise of children and infants and why not the praise of adults? Why the praise of children and infants and not the praise of adults? Simplicity? Simplicity? Innocence? Yep. How sweet it is to hold a newborn baby? Yep. Absolutely. You know what it is? When you ask a child, do you believe in Jesus? And they say yes, and you ask them why, what do they respond? Because the Bible told me so. Right? We, isn't, there, isn't there a song? They're uncomplicated children. Why? Well, because the Bible tells me so. If it's an adult, what would the adult respond? Well, if you read John 3.16 and then you flip over to Romans 1.1 and then if you come back across here and in the Greek it says, you know, we've complicated our lives as we get older. The simplicity of what it means to be a child is lost. You see, we think as we get older, we become mature and more experienced. But the reality is most of the time we grow up more cynical, battle-weary, hardened, complicated, hurt, distrustful. And as we get older sometimes, we kind of start to really get really strong in our ways. And God says, you know what? I want the praises of children. I want you to go back to being the child that you were. I don't care about your experience or your maturity or how old. I care about your love for me. Can you just accept that Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so? Can you accept that? Can you, can you take that? A child never questions in a good relationship the, the, the love of mum or dad. 
They just take it for granted. In Mark 10, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 10, verse 15, I truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Will never enter it. He's not giving parental advice here. He's telling us, adults, get back to being children. And I don't mean immature or anything, but just get back to that mindset. Matthew eleven twenty five. at the time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from who? The wise and the learned, and revealed them to little children. There's a bit of a picture coming out here. In a sense, I think God's saying, relax. Remember when you were a child? For some of us, that may not be a a pleasant memory. But God wants to say to you, I'm your parent. I'm your father. I've got your back. Trust me. I'll look after you. I've got your back. Psalm 8 continues, verses 3 to 4. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you would care for them? You see, you throw a child, you take him down to Tekapo, and you show him the night sky there. I had my girls, I think they had neck problems the next day. Because they're like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, look at that. And Monica and I right behind them. Oh, man. And then you go back, you're like, oh, my back. You know, you know. Um, but they would, I mean, the, the spectacle down there was incredible. Absolutely. And you know what? You can't help but say, wow. That childlike awe of seeing something just so much bigger than you and getting lost in it and getting lost in it. When I consider your heavens, your heavens, like I said, Charles Spurgeon said, this is the astronomer's, the astronomer's psalm. But you know what? Science and progress has actually brought out a lot of questions. Because when you look up at the stars and you look at all that God has made, how significant does that make us feel? Huh? Seriously? Not very significant, right? Not, not very significant at all. In fact, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Arthur C. Clarke in his book, um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, he says this, he says, if there are any gods whose chief concern is man, they can't be very important gods. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thumbs up there. No, not really. But, I mean, that's, that's what he's saying. Why? Because when you think of who we are and where we're at, I mean, take a look at this. You see that little dot under the R? That's our earth compared to our sun. How significant does that make us feel when we're so small? Now, imagine, that's the earth. How long did it take you to get back from Alaska? 
ages. Just to get to Alaska. Canada's going to be the same for you guys. You're going to get off with, oh, my back, you know, I'm in that little seat. This is taking forever. France, how long did it take to get to France? And, and look at us. Look at that, that's the sun. Carl Sagan, who had a, uh, he is famous for a book that he wrote called Contact, uh, which was made into a movie, but he had a program called The Cosmos. And he wrote, and he said this in there, he said, we live on an insignificant planet of a humdrum star lost in a galaxy tucked away in some forgotten corner of the universe in which there are far more galaxies than people. How does that make you feel? Let me make it make you feel even smaller. Our sun is considered a dwarf star, a yellow dwarf star. You know why they call it a dwarf star? Because it's little. It's little. This is how little it is. Okay, see that little dot like we saw the earth compared to the sun? That's our sun. Next to it, uh, which is Arcturus, which is a normal star. And then there's Canis Major, which is a large star. Canis Minor is bigger than the sun. How does that make you feel? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Now I feel terrific. I'm just going to go out into my little world. (laughs) But you know what? There's actually something special about us and about our solar system. Here's our solar system. You know, there's the Kepler mission. Anyone who's followed astronomy, the Kepler mission is this uh, uh, observatory that's been sent out into space and they're trying to find as many Earth-like planets in our universe. So they've gone from system to system to try and find planets. They've found hundreds of them. There's probably likely thousands of them. But in 1974, a group in Colorado uh, of, of scientists astronomers wanted to measure galaxies all over the universe and at the end of their study 32 years later in 2006 they came up with a startling fact that our solar system seems to be unique our sun is stable which is not common most stars out there are spewing out all sorts of radiation and microbursts and all sorts of junk into their system that most planets have absolutely no chance of even being habitable. Even what they call the habitable zone ain't working because their suns are just out of control. Ours seems to be pretty nice. Not only that, but you notice where are all the big planets in our solar system? They're at the end, aren't they? Well, this group had discovered that all the planets that they had found, the large planets were all at the front. And that the smaller Earth-like planets were at the end. Now, what does that mean? See that little flash there of a little comet that's coming by? We have a lot of debris that comes into our neighbourhood. And these large planets actually deflect them, knock them away because they've got large gravitational fields and their moons have got large gravity. So these things can't come through. But if they do manage to get through, do you notice that little belt there that's called the asteroid belt? That stops them too. 
But if they can get through that, guess what else they need to get past? Our moon. Anyone look at the moon at night? You know, so it's pocketed with lots of craters. That stopped a whole heap of things hitting us. And if they do finally get to us, they're so small, that the little shooting stars that come across. They burn up in our atmosphere. Um, a convention just recently at the National Air and Space Museum of uh, planetary scientists came up with a comment and one of them summed it up in this. He says, the older I get, the less likely it seems to me there'd be a bunch of places like our solar system. Guess what, people? We're unique. Guess what that makes us? Special. You with me? So when we gaze up at the sky and you get lost in the abyss of nothing, of all that, you can sit in the comfort and know that you live in a special place. Created what seems to be perfectly for you. Praise be to God, hey? Now you know why David's pretty excited about praising God because when you come to look at all the evidence of who we are and where we're at in our place of this incredible universe we seem to be pretty good we've got the front parking spot you know we're right there we're privileged not bad but in a sense What David was saying further on in verse 4, he says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Well, he's put you on a pretty special place. He's created you in an environment suited comfortably for you, for us, for me. But what is mankind? How many people here on this planet created in the image of God? How many? All of us. So does that make everybody special? Really? Does it change whether they, we like them or not? Does it change whether they believe the same thing we believe? Does it change whether they're male or female? Black or white? Atheists or Christians or Muslims or Hindus? Does it change at all? You know, the powerful thing about human beings is God created us all in his image. I get into arguments all the time with really diehard Calvinists who want to tell me that there is this whole thing about predestination. And you know what? I just do the same thing most people do at football games and at... uh, Hockey games, those of you who see those games in America, there's always a guy out in the crowd and he's holding a big sign. And what does the sign say? John 3.16. What does that say? Say it loud. I've got to hear it. For God so loved the world. Not a part of it. Not a corner of it. 
not those who wanted to or not, or black or what, everyone, and so that whoever, what does that whoever mean? Anyone? Anyone. Anyone. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care where you've been. How many people you've killed? How many people you've, you've neglected? You've had an abortion? So what? God wants to love you today. And he's only interested in what you're going to do tomorrow. You can't change your past. You can't change what you've done. God is ready to love you today for who you are, regardless of what you've got or what you've done or how you've acted. He has created you in his image. And just like this planet, you are special to him. And that whoever may believe in Jesus, whoever may believe, will find forgiveness, healing, purpose, love, hope, peace. Oh, who is man that you're mindful of them? What are human beings that you even care for them? Well, let me tell you, they're everything. They're everything. You are everything to God. And we Christians, if we could only, only live like that by acknowledging the love that God has for people no matter what, then what we're doing is we're showing the world that God loves them and he wants a relationship with them. Too many times we're too strong on what we stand against, not what we stand for. And if we put just as much effort into telling the world what we stand for, then maybe, just maybe, the world will take note. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Going on into verse 5, you have made them a little lower than angels. You've made humans a little lower than angels and crowned them with glory and honour. Now, I don't know if you remember Job. Um, We talked about angels. Guess what word in Hebrew is there for angels? You guys remember? There were two words that they used. There's one that's called Malak, which is the messenger, and the other one's the Elohim. Remember the sons of God? That's what that word is there. The Elohim. In Job chapter 1, you, you hear Satan as he goes in to talk with God. The sons of God, the Elohim, come along. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 1, you read about this strange situation about these uh, Elohim, these sons of God who come down to earth. It's a very interesting fact that most Hebrew writers do not use this word. But in this case, he does. And it's interesting, for those of you who like philosophy, you can read Thomas Aquinas, who does quite an elaborate um, uh, understanding of where humans are are fit into uh, the created uh, structure. 
But he says something very, very powerful, Thomas, that, that helps people understand where humans stand in God's creation. The Elohim are spirit beings. Animals are corporal body beings. Humans are both spiritual and corporal body. And he says we fit in between. We bring it all together. I thought that was pretty powerful stuff. And there's no other creation, by the way, that God crowns them with his glory and honour. Elohim, going on, he says, you made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Um, Okay, we're in a pretty special planet and we ourselves are pretty special people. But guess what? We actually have a job. Do you know that? Do you know we have a job here on earth? Most of us don't really take it in the note because when we're trying to think of jobs, we think of, oh, are we going to be a doctor or a lawyer or are we going to do this or that? And, you know, so we think that's our job, right? But that's not actually our job. That wasn't God's intention for you. God's original plan was actually for you to look after what he created. You know that? We forget that sometimes. Because we get caught up in life, and and life has a way of kind of, it's like a fast-moving stream. If you don't paddle with it, you're paddling against it, and you get really tired, and you let it take over you. But you know what? That's not what God intended. When he created us, he wanted us to watch over the creation. He kind of put us as managing directors of his uh, holdings, per se, right? I've got some animals, I've got some uh, grass over here, and you're in charge, you're you're looking after this stuff for me. And in in fact, we read in in, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, where he, he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. He says, let's make mankind, and you know, they'll rule over everything I've made. And so he created mankind in his own image, the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, and then he blessed them, be fruitful, and then he goes on to say again, hey, rule over everything I've created just to make sure if you haven't got it from before, right? And then in verse 2, it goes on to say, Adam, tend the garden. Look after what I've created for you. Because guess what? You're living on a special planet and you're a special person. Which is why I have such an issue with Christians who want to fight and argue against any kind of agenda that might be green. Why? Wouldn't that be looking after God's planet somehow? You don't want to live next to somebody who burns their firewood continuously day in, day out, and big black smoke billowing out and pouring oil everywhere, and you wouldn't want that in your backyard then why do we get so agitated? Okay, we've got extremists, and extremists are never fun. But if someone says, hey, there might be an issue with our weather, maybe we're using too much natural resources, maybe it's not nice to keep chickens hemmed up 
you know, in a, in a square box in the dark for their whole lives. Maybe, just maybe, we're overdoing it with the cattle. Maybe, just maybe, our forests need a bit of a reprieve from our insatiable need of knocking them down. Maybe, just maybe, we'd like to have a bit of a clearer sky for our children to breathe, maybe better air. Maybe, just maybe, the impact of, what, six billion people might have a detrimental effect on our planet. And we, as the custodians of this special place, maybe, just maybe, we need to take a step back and say, you know what, let's see what we can do to make this better. Because guess what? He's entrusted us with his planet. Now, it's hard work. Unfortunately, sin has come into play, and there are many places on this earth that are going to be hard. God says that in chapter 3, right? You're going to have thorns. You're going to have the land's going to be hard. It won't bow. It won't bend. Because sin is there. But he never took away the mandate he's given us. This is yours to look after. What's more important to you? This is convicting for me because, you know, what's more important to me? My iPod? Uh, my, my, my car? My air conditioning unit? These are the challenges that we're faced with. Now, I'm not advocating to go out and turn your house into a, I don't know what, or start. All I'm saying is I think we need to be more aware and that we as Christians should actually be leading in that. Not some liberal greenie who has no understanding of who God is. Right? We know who our God is. We know who created this planet. It's his art of work of art and it's us it's for us to take care of. So all the more so, we should be a little bit more defensive about what God has made for us. All the more so. The problem is I find Christians are very silent on that subject. And the wrong people are the ones who are screaming. Well, not the wrong people, but the people who, who haven't got an eternal perspective of who we are and don't really realise how special this place is and how special we are. Let us make mankind and let them rule over all that I've made for them. And no one appreciates more a wise ruler. With me on that? That's the one thing I love about New Zealand. It's still untouched. And that you guys are fearfully defensive, fiercely defensive of how beautiful a place you have. Because I've been to parts of the world, and you know what? I love big cities. I'm a city boy. I spent three weeks downtown Sydney, the whole, virtually the whole time. But I come back here and I breathe fresh air, and I realize how beautiful God is and what he has done for us. This isn't Middle Earth. This is Upper Earth, guys. Right? Then let's, we as Christians, lead in that by telling the world how great our God is and look what he has done for us. And at the end, at the very end, David falls back on his same opening statement, Lord Yahweh, my Adonai, our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all this special place we called earth. Amen to that. 
Now, someone asked me last week, are we supposed to just pray these? Are we supposed to sing these? How do we do these psalms? And sometimes you can reflect on them. Sometimes you could just listen to the words and just understand. But you know, there's one thing that comes out in every psalm, and, and Jan touched on it earlier, but there's one thing that comes out, and that is emotion. God wants to talk to you as who you are, and he wants to hear who you are. David, he's calling God out by his name, acknowledging him as his master. And as we go further into this book, you're going to hear emotion that will make you go a little bit red in the face, a little bit embarrassing. But one thing Psalms teaches, God wants a real relationship with you because he's put you in his special place and he's made you special. And that specialness is something God wants to connect with. So as we go deeper into the book, be challenged. In your quiet times with God, be challenged that he wants to meet you where you're at. And I ask our worship team to come up. You know, uh, this would have been a while ago, but a friend of mine was struggling with life. And he wasn't able to express that to God. And I just told him, well, what, what do you need to do? And, you know, I, I told him what I used to do, or what I still do, is sometimes I go in the backyard and let it all out. Let God hear it. He knows what's on your heart. Let it all out. And he said, that's not the way I should be doing this. And I said, you know what? If you don't believe the book of Psalms, go to John chapter 17 and read how Jesus spoke to his father. And feel the emotion Jesus had in, in, in facing something that he didn't want to face. Asking, can you take this from me? Feeling the fear. Overwhelming emotions of the situation. I said, your God understands you. That's why Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible. Because he knows these are things that, that overwhelm us. My friend is dying. My family member is sick. I don't know what job I'll have tomorrow. My kids are running. I can't, I don't know what to do. I've got myself into debt. I'm lonely. These are emotions that we feel. God wants to hear you. And he wants to walk alongside you. What is man? That he would even think of us? That he would even care for us? If you have that problem, put up that sign in your room in John 3.16 and just be reminded that you are special. And then pick up that Psalm 8 and remember you are in a very special place. Father God, we just want to lift up this time to you. Anyone here struggling, Lord, I just want to give them to you now. Pray that you fill their hearts. Pray that you challenge them to step up 
and to meet you, Lord, to let out those emotions on you, Lord. You care about us. You've put us in this beautiful place. Thank you, Lord. The way our solar system is made has your fingerprint all over it. And yes, there are stars by the billions. And yet we seem to be unique. And there are planets most probably by the billions. And yet this planet seems to be unique. And the more and more we look to the stars, the more and more we realize what a special place this is. And even amongst all things, we humans are special to you, Lord, because you've created us all in your image. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we know that through your love and through your Son, you've given us hope and love and peace of the kind that we can't find no matter where we go in this universe. We only find it in you. And unlike, unlike what Arthur C. Clarke said about any God being interested in humans, doesn't make him that much of a God. Actually, it makes him a great God because you are the only God. You are the God that cares for us. You are Yahweh, our Adonai our master. Thank you, Lord, for who you are.